Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hey, Brittany. Hi, Ronnie. So today, I want to talk about something that might sound like a conspiracy theory at first, <laughs> um, but it's actually real. So... Well, I guess it's not all conspiracy theory, but the conspiracy theory, you can't see me, but I'm putting this in air quotes um, because I know many people have different feelings on this and it's not something that I personally have done enough research in to be able to say the truth on any of it. But I am aware that a lot of people are worried about chemtrails. You know chemtrails, right? Yes, I do. I don't even know how you feel about them or not. It used to be something when I was years and years ago, like 13 years ago, I got really into it. So I was into it for a while and it just became one of those things that it just kind of went lower on my my priority list. Like it's not mm-hmm. that I believe in them or don't believe in them. I just got distracted with, you know, the Ron Paul election and other things <laughs> like that. So <laughs> so again, I I know people do a lot more thought into Kim Charles. I just haven't. Um, but oh, for our listeners who are wondering, what are you talking about? What is a Kim Trail? So if you look into the sky, you know how you can see planes and they're flying and then there's, you can see all of the white stream of stuff behind them. Um, sometimes that's just from the plane, but other times um, people are worried that it could be chemicals that are being dropped on us, um, especially if I guess it's done in a certain pattern. The idea is that it's supposed to be changing the cloud layers to have rain or not have rain or something. Again, I don't have enough research into this, but I'm least aware of this. So anyways, um, if you listening and you know so much more about chemtrails, there's a good possibility you know more than me. So I'm just going to let you make that judgment call. But here's where, here's where there is some truth. So there is a conspiracy, again, in air quotes. I, well, I like I like how it got all you got all like dark and murky. Like Ooh. there's a conspiracy. <laughs> you can't see me. But also, I also did the thing with my fingers where I like you know um, like twinkle them back them. and forth. <laughs> like, yeah. like you. Um, so there's a lot of things that happen in the world and the government that at the time are considered conspiracies, and then later eventually come out as true. And this is one of those cases. And it was called Operation Sea Spray. And it happened in 1950. So you haven't heard of this, have you? Mm-mm, I haven't. This is new for me. All right. New story. <laughs> so Operation Sea Spray was in uh, 1950. And at the time, the government, um, specifically this was the Navy that was orchestrating this, they wanted to test, kind of do a sample of what would happen if there was a like, uh, bioterrorist attack. What if some, you know, pathogen or germ was released out into the public? How quickly could it spread? Uh, How quickly would it go through a population? So they decided to, there was this bacteria that at the time they thought was harmless. And it was called, here's another, here's a word that I'm going to not pronounce right. I actually tried to look up the right way to pronounce it and I already forgot, but it's a bacteria and it's called Serratia marcrescens, something like that. (laughs) Uh, But I'm just going to call it serratia. But what was cool about this particular bacteria and why they chose it is because apparently uh, like when the bacteria grows, it's very red color. Um, Like if it grows on bread, it looks like 
there's like blood on the bread, um, but it just, it shows up as red. So they thought, oh, this will be easier to kind of track it and test it when we're doing tests for it. Um, so over the course of six days, the Navy sprayed this bacteria. There was some other stuff in the mixture too, but they sprayed it off of a ship. Uh, I think it was like two miles up into the air. And then they just kind of let it filter over San Francisco. And then they were testing it. So I know, right? They didn't even uh, contact the health authority. It was just the Navy just did it. So How are they the allowed g- to do that? I don't know because they're the government and they think they can do whatever. <laughs> but like they um, didn't even ask the other governments, like two governments at odds with each other. That's crazy. Um, what other – you mean like the San Francisco government? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know the details on that. All I know is that the health authority wasn't contacted. Um, at the time, this serratia was believed to be harmless. So they just thought, okay, well, we can do this for our test. So, um, So they spread it all over. Uh, San Francisco, and then it after I forget the time frame, but it was a week or two, something like that. Um, and over that time frame, it was determined that that bacteria spread through the entire city to the point where everybody got a fairly heavy load, and some places got much much higher loads. Um, but still, everyone was breathing in these spores from this. Um, well. After again, like a week or so later, um, there was some interesting health repercussions. There was one hospital that on the same day had something like 11 patients come in for a very rare um, and severe, it was like a urinary tract infection or something like that. Mm. Uh, But it was like very rare. It was not something that happened. And it all happened all at once, all on the same day in the same location. That must have been like a location where it got an extra heavy dosage or something. But what was interesting is, so part of this urinary tract infection is that um, a lot of the urine was like red tinged, like it was red color. And that is how they got the idea that it was possibly likely connected to this serratia bacteria that was also sprayed into the area. Um, Anyway, so there was like medical papers written up about this. And even though, you know, it never, of course, came to anything that was proven that uh, this was caused by that. You know, there was a lot of correlation. So especially the like red urine coming through, that I think was a big thing. That is crazy. Yeah, I know. Isn't it? There's a lot of – the more you study about things, there's a lot of crazy things that have happened um, in the world and by the government. But <laughs> anyways, so so that's a true story. Operation Sea Spray. You guys can go and look it up if you want to. And so when we talk about things like um, chemtrails, uh, I mean – there's documentation now that it has happened before that the government has for testing purposes without realizing any effects that was going to happen. They have actually- So you're saying maybe like, cause I think a lot of people who believe and think like, Oh, the government's doing it to hurt us that maybe they were just yeah. doing an experiment, not realizing, which wasn't good either, but not realizing that they were hurting us. That's interesting. Good point. And yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because um, like the next two things I'm going to mention are more along the accidental lines, not the, purposely this has done this, but even still when we are not, when people don't ask questions before they act, there can be, um, you know, severe effects afterwards. And that's why it's important that we don't just, I don't know, like just trust like, oh, you think this looks good, but you have never really tested it. Sure. I'll just go ahead and experiment on me. (laughs) Um, So along those lines, I also wanted to touch on um, two things. Well, one main thing. 
so geoengineering, are you familiar with this term? Yes. Yes. And yes, I know that's like a scientist creating ways or thinking they've created ways to um, like mitigate or to make climate change. Exactly. Yeah. So that's kind of a new term, but yeah, we're going to engineer, you know, geography or I guess. Anyways. um, So to some extent, I think this term first started being used around the time in which, you know, uh, the ozone layer became a concern. People were worried about the ozone layer uh, thinning out, which is less of a concern now, which we've actually done a magazine article on this once about ozone layer fears before and climate change fears. But anyways, besides that, um, now geoengineering is primarily focused on trying to cool the earth so that how can we cool the earth and protect it from the sun's rays? So some different companies have been trying to come up with different things. A lot of it has to do with how can we reflect the sun you know, away from our atmosphere and like back up into the space. Um, so I want to throw it real quickly. Uh, speaking of the ozone layer, so in the 1990s, there was this uh, volcanic explosion ca- called Mount Pinatabo. It was in the Philippines, but it released a lot of sulfur dioxide into the into the atmosphere and that ended up cooling the Earth's temperature by 1%. So I think that idea of, oh, if we put sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere, it will cool the earth. Um, Some people are now thinking that's a possibility for us to do now. But um, it's possible also in the 1990s, if you read this magazine article that we wrote about in the October issue of Tuttle Times, um, another thing that was going on in the 90s was this other these other fears of the ozone layer thinning and acid yeah, rain. I remember it was like mm-hmm. greenhouse gas effect or whatever they called yes. it, right? Yes. So there's some people have thought that it's possible that uh, this volcanic explosion contributed to those things and those fears. So it's possible that this idea of, oh, let's just throw sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere and maybe that will cool the earth will also have side effects, like worse side effects for us. So the whole point I'm getting to in this is that there's this environmental startup that has come into the news just recently, just this past month. Uh, It's called Make Sunsets. That's the name of the company. And what they've decided to do is release six foot helium balloons up into the air over, um, it's in Mexico, but over like Baja, California area. So underneath California, that area of Mexico. Um, and release it up into the air filled with sulfur dioxide and then we'll, you know, release into the atmosphere. And, um, the Mexican government was saying like, oh, you, you're not allowed to do this, but they did it anyways. Uh, so there's kind of, um, I guess because there's no like laws that say that you can't do that. Anyways, the point is that, um, we need to be careful about releasing things out into our environments without doing complete studies on them. And without telling people, you're right. Yes. That's, I think, the worst part of it is consent. We talk about consent all the time yeah. and everybody has the right to know what's what what's going on around them that could impact them. And when it's the the atmosphere, air breathe. the air we breathe, that impacts everybody. You know, say what you will about, you know, vaccines. And I think they were rushed for COVID and stuff like that. Uh, but at least people could decide. Most people. Well, sort of. She goes into a whole other thing. For the most part, though, the government, unless you worked for them and then that got reversed by the Supreme Court, wasn't going to take you to jail 
for the most part without doing it, but with the, the air and they're not even telling you that is just shocking. So crazy stuff. Uh, Ronnie, I'll have you maybe drop some links in the show notes Okay, and we can, uh, our, our listeners can check out some of these things. Well, you guys, thank you so much. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the podcast. And until next time, we will talk to you soon. All right. See you soon. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.